Hi, I'm Jackie. Hi, I'm Emma. And this is Two, Two Pints of Brew and a Chocolate Crispy. Season four. Four. Episode two. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Myths and legends. Yeah, we're getting it right this season. I know, but we're only on episode two. <laughs> so when we're on episode like eight, we'll be like, and it's episode of whatever ought to look up. <laughs> you know what? What one we on? Yeah. Never mind. Anyway, yes, we are back with season four myths and legends mm-hmm. very excited about this yes if you listen to last week's episode you will have discovered maybe you will well i don't even know if we did clarify the definitions we said what they are according to google but i still don't really i'm like i don't know yeah i still i still find there's a few gray areas and i still read a story and think oh i don't know if that is a legend now i think it might be a myth but you know, I, don't I think know. that in this this day and age, it's like an interchangeable term, which is incorrect, but that's how everybody uses it. Yeah, I'm with you. With me, yeah, you feeling yeah, it? Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. absolutely feeling it. So okay. yes, so today's episode, we are going to tell you about some legends, mm-hmm. um, in our local area, which is the northeast of Scotland. Yes, and we took a tour. I think we mentioned last week as well. We we took a tour. With uh, one of our favourite listeners. I know. The Buccaneer. The Buccaneer. And she kindly took us out on a day. Which, she did. Which was amazing. She was so, it was so kind of her. She was just basically like, oh, if you're wanting to see this, just come along with me. And we were like, oh, okay. And then we <laughs> were not? like, off we went one day. And it was, it was a brilliant day and we had some fun and we saw some amazing places and I, we cannot thank you enough, Emma, for, oh, yeah. <laughs> for helping us. <laughs> Buccaneer. <laughs> oh. You just outed her fucking. I, I know, I've just outed her completely. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're not editing. I'm sorry, Buccaneer. So, yeah, so the way we're going to do this episode, we decided is we were, we're going to tell the stories of that day. Of that day. Because it was quite amusing. It was a good day. There was, was some written, random shit. There, there was some random stuff. So, we're going to start off. We met Emma. We did. And we drove to Fraserburgh. We did. In the northeast of Scotland. Mm -hmm. And we got told some information as well, which I didn't know. And Buccaneer said that Fraserburgh was not always known as Fraserburgh. No, it was known as Fairley. Fairley, yeah. Up until the 1500s. Yep, something like that. When one of the lairds had bought. I one of the lairds of Fraser and from the Fraser family. Fraser family. bought over the house that's now a lighthouse, I believe. It was changed at a lighthouse? Yeah. So it was so, Castle Fraser? Castle Fraser, yeah. So um, they bought it over and then he got permission to change the name of the village from Fairley to Fraserburgh. Fraser and it became a royal borough. That's correct. So there we go. Because we didn't know that. that. She was an amazing tour guide because we were like, dude, like, where did this come from? And she's just like, I just know this shit. And then we were like... Somebody get her a cup and some pennies because she earned this. She I was know. like a good tour guide. I know. It was amazing. It was. It was brilliant. So we started off in Fraserburgh and the first place we went to was where the lighthouse oh. is. Yeah. And below the lighthouse is... A wine tower. A wine tower. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you... Yes, because I had looked into it and it um there is a... Basically, it's said to be a multifaceted landmark... Um, obviously based in the town of Fraserburgh and with a unique 250 year story of continual reinvention and survival from the castle to a lighthouse and now it is a museum. No I haven't actually been to that museum. Nope. So it's Canard Head Castle was built by the Frasers in the 16th century as we've just said. The town name of Fraserburgh then followed. So that's how we've literally just said these things. So Later on in 1787, the castle was sold to the Northern Lighthouse Board to be converted into Scotland's first mainland lighthouse. The best was for this to be constructed was for the lighthouse to take over one of the corners. And today you can visually see the fusion between the the two inside and out. Okay. Now adjacent to this, adjacent to the, the... uh, head castle sits what we are going to speak about which is the wine tower and it's facing towards you with a backdrop of crashing waves against the rocks and all those things it's very scenic remember it's quite 
Like, there was quite a drop. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. It's uh, a very strange-looking building, It's a actually. weird, like, randomly just... It looks just like a, like a cube. It does, a stone it? cube. Yeah, That's stone pretty cube. much it, yeah. Um, its interesting structure was obviously named the Wine Tower, but to this day, it cannot be confirmed what the use of the building was for. So, original findings suggest that it was a secret Catholic chapel... But there are various other reasons that go against this outcome. Um, it is more feasible that um, that this was a separate building in the castle where the laird would entertain his important guests and perhaps, as the name suggests, drink wine. Hmm. So I find it strange that you would consider entertaining anyone in there because it looks yeah. so tiny. Like, the door is tiny. tiny. Yeah, you're sitting there thinking, well, you're entertaining, like, one person. So it must be one-to-one. <laughs> what kind say. of well what kind of entertainment are they talking about <laughs> i don't know because <laughs> you're sitting there looking at the lighthouse beside it like nah really you're <laughs> yeah. really stuck in full good here in the rain it's far we'll be sitting there going i can just drink here mate <laughs> yeah to be. Like, no no Exactly. No, no, you're all right. I'm biting here in the wine. <laughs> no, no. I so, just don't get it. It's no, very neither strange. Do I, neither very do I. Strange. So, which was probably why they've suggested that the wine tower thing makes more, maybe sense in the fact that maybe they stored wine there. But even then, I don't know. Yeah. I have no, no idea. Basically, no. I don't know what it was for. It's just random there. Maybe a boy was like, got extra steam, go and build something over there. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I'll <you know>. do. <laughs> why not? <laughs> you know. So, anyway, as Emma pointed out, and if you go, you'll remember there was a plaque that told you kind of the yeah. base of the story in this song. But I found a really detailed version online. So, um, I'll read where this is. So, the tower hosts its very own dark Romeo and Juliet story. It is. And it goes a little something like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you. Oh, <laughs> Okay, so Isabel Fraser was the only daughter of Alexander, the eighth laird of Filth Florth. There's no point in asking me, you know how I say it. I'm not even <laughs> There's... embarrassed myself. <laughs> and the founder of the free port of Fraserburgh. She had not been spoiled and been brought up a good Protestant despite her mother's leanings towards Rome. By the time of her 18th birthday, Isabel had grown into a fair haired beauty. Well, never only Bedina's stories goes about as a munter, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, and it's never... Oh, she was a right ugly virgin, but kid, she's not a fine. God. No, but am I wrong? Yeah, you're always boring and beautiful. Okay. <laughs> One night, looking out, <laughs> out to the landward side of her father's castle, sat high on the cliffs of the Buchan coast, she heard the haunting pipe tune. Staring into the starlight night... And she caught sight of a small figure. And as the figure got closer, she realised it was a young man playing the bagpipes. Now, as was custom at this time, travelling musicians were welcomed into every house to entertain and be recompensated with food and bed for the night. So Isabel was delighted when she saw the youth approaching the main door and, and gained entry. She ran downstairs to see the, tra- the talented singer, or singer, stranger, sorry, <laughs> with a swish of her silk gown, she reached the main hall where her parents and brothers sat. The piper was being introduced by the laird's butler. His name was Sandy Tullough, and he was travelling the country, earning, trying to earn enough money to buy a commission into the army. And Isabel's father was impressed by this and asked him to play for them. I didn't know you needed to buy commission to get into the army. So there you go. I don't know you that, but you there. I probably don't need one anymore because no one wants to go. Yeah, that's true. We'll pay you, Paul. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Sandy was a very capable player. He stunned them with reels and jigs and warlike marches and much to Isabel's delight, the most beautiful something in Lament's Pitbrooks. Pitbrooks? I don't know. Chones. Chones. <laughs> Chones. He was really good at the Chones, kid. <laughs> she sat by her mother, lost in the music and, and falling head over heels in love with this red-headed, plaid-clad youth. Oh. I know. Eventually, the laird thanked Sandy and bade him to dine with them and stay the night for his pains. 
Over dinner, he regaled them with fascinating stories of the places that he had visited, starting in his native Orkney, sailing over the seas to the mainland, visiting the former Viking strongholds of Caithness, journeying through the highlands, down eventually to their northeast coast. He hoped by the time that he reached Edinburgh, he would have enough money to kit himself out as an officer and present himself to the king for service. By the end of the evening, he was shown to their guest room and the family retired to bed. Isabel, however, could not <laughs> sleep. I bet you she couldn't. <laughs> she wandered around her own room, unable to stop thinking about the handsome, humble Sandy. And she then heard a strange noise and went to investigate. And she found Sandy back in the main hall, playing on his chanter. Isabel had never... <laughs> Back then, did I? Oh, me. Isabel had never seen one before. (laughs) It's getting worse. I know. And Sandy was happy to explain to her that this was the way Pipers practised and learned new tunes. The pair talked, are you okay? I'm alright, I'm trying to get a laugh. The pair talked all night. Isabel apologised for keeping him awake, but Sandy said that he didn't mind. And he had so enjoyed having company for many miles on the road. Sandy said that he would not leave the area in a hurry, so she would not be losing him. And so it was, every evening following, Sandy and Isabel would meet down by the shore, away from the site of the castle. Their friendship blossomed into love and then a promise of marriage. <gasps> Sandy said that he would get engaged and go to Edinburgh and they would... and. where they would be married and he would join the army. Little did they realise that Isabel's father had followed his daughter that night, puzzled as to where she was sneaking off to. He stifled his rage as he heard Isabel accept Sandy's proposal and he went home and spoke to his servants. By the time Isabel came home, Sandy was seized by a dozen sturdy men and bound in chains. He was led to the Selchie Hole. Selchie Hole. Mm-hmm. Is it near? That means seals. I thought it was Selkie. No, that's a, like, that's a different myth, is it? A Selchie I'm hole. sure. Does it not mean seal? See, like a seal hole. Yeah, yeah. I can, like with the seals hung out. Oh, maybe, aye. Um, oh, it says a coastal cave which flooded at high tide. Which hmm. this cave stood below the wine tower. Um, which was the secret chapel of Lady Fraser, the laird's wife, Magdalene. Okay. We will wait while Emma looks up what a selchie hole means. Oh, in the English dictionary, it means a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, well. it, it says here, definition, seal hole. Oh, seal hole. Well, there you go. When Isabel entered her father's room at the top of the house and asked what he wanted, she could see his eyes were full of of anger. How dare you consort with that piper, laddie? (laughs) He is far beneath you. You're a laird's daughter. And yet I hear from your own mouth the acceptance of his offer of marriage. You have no right to bring such shame on the Fraser name. Alexander roared. Isabel was horrified. You followed me? Yes, and it and it is as well I did. You would have left tomorrow and we would never have seen you again, Alexander snapped. As it is, that is the last you will ever see of your poor lover. He has been dealt with. What? What have you done to Sandy? Where is he? Isabel demanded. Where he will meet his fate. Now, you must forget about him. I will find you a suitable husband. Some Earl's son, at least. But never, ever would I let you marry a commoner. Her father told her. Isabel screamed in protest and ran before her father could could rise. She guessed it out, guessed at once where Sandy would be, the selkie hole, which would be full of water. But before ever go, she ever got outside, the servant stopped her. Isabel howled that she wouldn't end her life if she could not see Sandy. Her father was so furious that he dragged her by the arm down to the wine tower. 
You'll see your husband to be in the morning, Alexander exclaimed and locked her in. Isabel spent a dreadful night listening to the waves crashing against the rocks, knowing that Sandy would be drowned by morning. She wept piteously, praying that somehow he might escape. Well, that wasn't going to happen, was it really? <laughs> Why are you shaking your head at me for? I'm not shaking your head. I'm still trying to stop myself from laughing. <laughs> the next day, the laird unbolt- unbolted the tower door and pulled Isabel to her feet. Come, see your lover's fate, he growled. Standing in the cave with a huge lantern, Alexander indicated the so- indicated that the sodden form of Sandy Tullock his chained body lying dead on the floor. Isabel ran to him and flung her arms around his corpse. She screamed and wept and vowing that she would stay and drown herself now that she had nothing to live for. Foolish madam, you will stay in the tower until you come to your senses, Alexander told her and took her back to her prison. Isabel realised that there was a wooden stair which led to the roof of the tower. And after her father had gone, she clambered up and found the hatch. Standing on the precariously flat roof, which is right, it is proper flat, yeah, which had no battlements to protect her, Isabel walked to the edge, looked out at the boiling sea which had taken Sandy's life. She clasped her hands as if in prayer and said out loud, Farewell all of earth's good, our bridal waits below the tide. Then Isabel ran over the edge, soaring into the air for a moment, then crashing down to her death on the rocks below, her blood splashing into the spray. It was a few hours before one of Isabel's brothers came to visit her, but before he even reached the tower, he saw her broken body at the base of the tower. He carried her back to the castle, tears streaming down his face. He walked to the wine tower, and so he walked the wine tower, Fraser bra. The legend of the wine tower, Fraser bra, like how slowly up, upstairs to the hall. What? Oh, I must have fucking done something. <laughs> he carried her back up the castle. She still still down his face, and he what? And he walked slowly upstairs to the hall. What have you done, father? What have you done? He cried. Alexander Fraser did not speak, knowing his selfish adherence to society, societal convention had caused Isabel's death. He did not speak for many months after. Still today, the rocks below the wine tower are bright red, repainted by the lighthouse keepers who inhabit the castle long after the family had died out, in memory of poor Isabel Fraser and the beloved Piper. Of course, this is a legend. Alexander Fraser had three daughters, none named Isabel and all married to local noblemen. He was favoured by James the Sixth, who gave him the right to build a free port and borough around the old fishing village of Faithley, which became Fraserborough, as we've discussed. So that is basically the oh, story. I said it was fairly. It's not as Faithley, is it? Faithley, yeah. Sorry, I do That's apologise. Okay. And basically, it's the wine tower is owned by the Scottish, Mu- the Scottish Museum of Lighthouses. Hmm. Um yeah so and which is next to old castle one of the earliest lighthouses of the Moray coast operational from 1786 and it's occasionally open for tours and apparently the the like open ghost story well, the ghost story of it is as well that at certain times of night you can still hear a piper Oh, that would be eerie. Mm-hmm. Very eerie. It's but quite a sad story, story, actually. It is quite a sad story that you laughed all the way through. No, I didn't <laughs> laugh. It was no. It was just certain points I found quite comical. That's all. But it was it. It was it was like your Scottish rule, my own Juliet. Juliet really, much, it wasn't yeah. it? They were. They wanted to be together. They they weren't allowed to be together. And then, you know, he gets murdered, mm-hmm. and then. She tops herself. So. so it's one of those things that it is a legend, but you think to yourself, how much of it is, like, where's, where did the truth of it come Mind from you, and where did it not? Having said that, Jockey, because obviously we've been doing quite a bit of research on various different things mm-hmm. and legends and stuff and going to the witches and mm-hmm. things like that, there's a lot of stuff that can't really be proven because... There's no paperwork. There's no, well, this is it. This and a lot of stuff was destroyed. Yeah, and if you were 
I mean, would you stand up and admit that you allowed your own daughter to kill herself? No. You know, he was he was a man in ability, if you you know what I mean. Well, like, yeah, he was he high was in society. Yeah, especially you know, in that what's area. he gonna say? Oh, you know, well I can well, I took a boy, my daughter's lover, I murdered him, and then she jumped off the tower. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to say that, are you? No. So it would make more sense to write off the fact that you even had a daughter in the first place. Yeah, It'll be one sense. of those things where, let's not speak about this again. Yes, <laughs> like, you know, I, yeah. You know, anyone speaks about it, then off we are head. Or the same thing will happen to you sort of thing. Oh, for real. Because you could get away with that in those days. Oh, big time, yeah. Yeah, especially so, given that he has this right over his daughter because she is an object in a yeah. way. It's like until you're you're the property of your husband, you're the property of your father. Mm-hmm. That's just it. So yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. But that was the first place that we stopped at, and it is pretty much just like a square cube of grass on the top of it. That's yeah, it's very weird. Mossy, so yeah. we took pictures mm-hmm. along our little tour. So what we're going to do is, after this is released, we will put out the pictures on our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Is that all we've got? Yeah. That's <laughs> like, all we need. That's all we need. We don't yeah. want anymore. <laughs> no, too much for me to comprehend. <laughs> so, yeah, so we will be putting pictures out there for you guys to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see what we we could see in the stories when we're describing things will make more sense to you as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so where did we go? We went from, we got back in the car and off we travelled again. Yep, and we went to, there was a graves, pl- uh, there was a grave place that we went to that wasn't the big one. The yeah, we, we, one. we were looking for a specific graveyard and mm-hmm. we ended up at one, I can't, I can't remember, remember what it's called. called now. That's horrific. Anyway, it wasn't where we were looking, so we, we went around there and it was a lovely graveyard, so it was really well maintained. It was, it was lovely. Yeah. Um and then we headed up towards Gardenstown. Yeah. Which is beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. It's like it's if you imagine Cornwall, it gave me Cornwall vibes. Yeah, okay. It's very, very coastal, like yeah. right on the coast in the in the hills of it. So yeah. yeah, I did. So Emma wasn't a hundred I keep doing that, sorry. Buccaneer wasn't <laughs> I've busted it now, haven't I? So she wasn't a hundred percent sure over the legends and stories, um, at the graveyard we mm-hmm. were at, um. But she was able to tell us a few bits, and one of the rumors was that there was pirates. Yes. Buried there because of the markings on the graves. That's right. But it it does have quite a sinister history. Mm-hmm. So I am going to tell you that story. Ooh, ooh, I'm excited. So, on a cliffside above Gamery Bay, 230 feet, at 70 metres above sea level, sits a kirk and a kirkyard. Mm-hmm. So, kirk is an old Norse word, which I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so it, in Scotland, it means church. And so, we went to a church and a churchyard. Makes sense. Or graveyard, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So, for this purposes, I'm going to be saying church and graveyard. Mm-hmm. So the church and graveyard sit on a cliff overlooking the seaside village of Gardens, Garden Town. That's it's how it's spelt, but we pronounce it Gardenstown. However, just to confuse the issue more, it's known locally as Gamery. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how it got its name, Gamery, but I do know that the bay in between the village of Gardenstown and the cliffs that we were on is called Gamery Bay. Oh, so that might be why so I'm just, just wondering like, if they just call it Gamery. Okay. So which is interesting because I've heard people <coughs> speaking about Gamery and then and and they never even clicked out it was the same place. Yes, yeah, so me. it is, it's the same place. <clears throat> so Gamery is a small village with a population of five hundred and sixty people and it's in the northeast of Scotland, which is forty four point six miles, that's seventy one point seven kilometres from the city of Aberdeen. The land the church now sits on has a real bloody history. Um, with this, apparently the locals still tell the legends of how it became to be the thriving church that it was. Mm. Now, researching this absolutely blew my mind and we'll show you the pictures because when you hear about where people came from to go and vis- to this church, it will blow your mind because mm-hmm. it blew mine. Oh, really? <laughs> so, 
In 1000 AD, fighting with the Danes, the Vikings, um, was a regular occurrence all along the coast of Britain. But on an evening in 1004, the weather is said to have been really poor and the sea was unsettled and fog was making visibility difficult. Sailing in these conditions were an army of Danes said to be passing the coastline of Banffshire on their way to northern Scotland to the county of Caithness, which you mentioned mm-hmm. in, this, um, in this one, yeah, Caithness. In your story. The Danes needed to replenish their supplies and they needed to moor somewhere that could accommodate a large number of boats. And Gamery Bay is a large stretch of beach between the now village of Gardenston, aka Gamery, and the cliffs and the, where the church and yard now sit. Here the Danes moored their boats and 500 to 600 Danes landed. There's various different numberings, okay. but it's all between roughly 500 and 600 Danes. So I've just gone with that. Yeah. So if people uh, say, oh, that's not right. A then, amount of Danes. Yes, there was loads of them. So they left their boats and headed inland onto the moors in search of animals so that they could obviously slaughter and replenish their food stocks. And the Vikings, being Vikings, they didn't come quietly and they would not ask politely. No. So they, pillage, they pillaged. Yes, basically, <laughs> they would harm anybody that got into their way whilst they were out on their tracks. Anyway, the locals, this is brilliant, the locals had seen the Danes come in. And what the Danes did not expect was the resistance or the re- resilience of the local people. So the Maramein Mortima of Buchan, or also known as the Thena Buchan, mm. commanded an army of locals to fight off the Danes and protect their lands and livestock. The Danes had begun to climb the cliff to the moors above the beach and the Thena Buchan took his army and waited on the hill above them because he knew sitting above them on the moors they would have to pass underneath them okay to get to the moor from Uh, where they were because it was too steep for them to go straight up right they had to go off at an angle towards where the graveyard was right that makes sense because it is steep yeah really steep so Mm. they knew if they sat above them the danes would pass below them Mm -hmm. so they waited until they got closer and for them to pass underneath and then they waged an absolute war on them so they rained arrows Anything they could get their hands on, they used as a weapon. (laughs) Apparently, women were filling their stockings with stones and launched them like missiles, (laughs) which I just thought was brilliant. I can just imagine. Yeah. Just anything (laughs) they could use to fight, they used. So the Danes had no choice but to keep on trying to move forward to get up to the top of the moor to try and, like, you know, sort themselves up because they weren't expecting that attack. Aye, so they were like, yeah. Uh-huh. So they headed almost to the top of the moor near the cliff's edge where the current ruins of the churchyard are today. Mm-hmm. So here they set up a camp and they thought that they could just wait out and the locals would retreat, they'd get bored and they would just leave them be. But it didn't happen. No, How they were like, these yeah, people nah. were. I thought they were meant to be smart. So anyway, the battles between the locals and Danes are said to have gone on for absolute months. Oh, Jesus. Really, like, apparently it was a case of, you know, they would try, the Danes would try to come out and then the locals would move in and it was just a carry on, <laughs> as they like, would say. Just like backward and, and forward. But nobody, nobody was backing down. Yeah. So the Thénabuchan knew that his army were getting really tired of this and that he would need reinforcements in order to defeat them. And this is where the legend comes in. Legend says that he swore to the lords that he would build a church on the site that the Danes were camped on and dedicated to St. John Evangelist. Have I said that right? Mm -hmm. Evangelist. Yeah, Evangelist. If the lords would give him victory over the Danes. He then went to his army and fellow men and said that this is what he was going to do. If they could defeat them, he would build them a church. 
Now, this really pleased their, uh, the army of mm. locals okay. and really intrigued other people in the area. Mm, so okay. they were like, yeah, let's go for it. This because gave them a fight. Church. Yeah, this gave them a major fighting spirit. Well, they would have been really religious, wouldn't they? Especially oh. on the coast where you're fishermen and everything. I suppose. So they were like, yeah, we're getting a church. Let's go for it. Mm-hmm. So a load mayor men from roundabout joined the army um, and this renewed their fight. So they took the bottle to the moor for the last time. This was the last time they ever fought. And this bottle became known as the Bottle of Bleedy Pits. Sorry, a dog sneezing. Just having a bit of a men- meltdown oh, over goodness. there. So yeah, so this became known as the Bottle of the Bleedy Pits. Wow. So the Thane made the decision to split his army in half. So one half would make their way up to the moor above the Danes. Mm-hmm. So where the church is just a wee bit up, yeah. there's like a ledge, ledge almost. almost. Yeah, I remember so, that. It makes sense when you see pictures. Yeah, when you see the pictures, it all makes sense. So he put the his half of his army up the top above them. And then what he was going to do with the other half, they would just go steaming in. Okay. They were going in from the front. Guns drawn. Oh, yes. All that jazz, but they obviously arrows, but you get for me. And a battle began. And it said that the that the moor had been absolutely soaked in blood from the slaughter of men and women on from both sides, and in the landscape, there would have been peat, mm. and so there's natural dips. Yeah, and this is where all the blood drained to apparently oh, and okay. so this is where the bleedy pits comes comes from. from. Makes sense. So, after months of battling, Thane Buchan and his army had defeated the Danes. Whoa! Well impressed, actually. Yeah. So, once the battle was over, it said the bodies of the Danes were thrown into the bloody pools and they became a mass burial site. But there's no documentation to suggest any numbers. But I would imagine there would... You probably, if you take in the locals plus the Danes, you're probably looking at about... A thousand folk. Aye. Plus... Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I mean, if they had 500 people on land, we don't know. There's nothing to say that there wasn't more boats out there yeah. waiting for them to come back, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the numbers could have been huge for all we know. So, anyway, they left the, the graves open to allow the wolves and wild animals to feast on their bodies. Okay. And just to add insult, it's, it's alleged that there was three... Oh, I love this. Three great Danes. There was three great Dane leaders that were amongst the dead and what they did was is they severed the heads and they were keeping them as a warning to other oh. Danes not to come encroaching on their land. Where did they put them? Well, had the bus. Tell me. So, true to his word, the Thane Buchan had a church built on the site and the Danes were where the Danes were camped. Mm-hmm. Then their victory... Oh, sorry. So... Yes. So when they built the church, they built the three skulls of the great Danish leaders into the walls. Oh. Yep. That's what they did. They're in the foundations. No. Well, I will get on to that. So the church became known as the Kirk of Skulls. But there's no reliable document... Sorry. There is no reliable documented evidence that the church existed before the 12th century. And also, there was no documentation to suggest, I like documentation for the building to suggest that there were skulls built into it. Okay. And of course, this didn't happen in the 12th century, this happened in the 11th century. Yeah. But again, who, who, knows? who was keeping Being records, records back no, then, you know? Was, no. So, this called into question whether it was built in 1004. But legends, traditions state that it was. And it's also, it was written in the concrete inside the church. I don't know if you've seen it in the ruins. Yeah. It was written in there. But it was written, underneath it was written when it was re... I. Rebuilt. Yeah. In refurbished, the sixth, refurbished. Was it yeah, 60s or something? It was 60s. So I'm going to presume that was put in at the same time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't actually there in 1004. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. 
So it was recorded, however, somewhere else mm-hmm. that the skulls did exist. Okay. And in 1832, a visitor stated, I've seen the Norsemen skulls grinning horrid and hollow in the wall, where they have been fixed directly east of the pulpit. Oh. So somebody had seen them and had confirmed... That they were there. That they were there. But... There's no official records of There's that. no official records. So... The church is said to be extremely po- the church was said to be extremely popular considering its location and difficulty getting to it. Oh why? There's no road. So you have to drive down a narrow track and there's like a massive drop on uh, the left hand side as you're driving towards it. Like, so we're like, Emma <laughs> Yeah, we're like Sorry. Buccaneer <laughs> Watch what you're doing. Then you get to like a flat bit, which is kind of a makeshift car park. And then you have to walk on foot uphill. Obviously, you've got to walk on foot. Um, you've got to walk uphill on another narrow track. It's said that it was packed to the gunnels on Sunday on a Sunday service. Absolutely mm. packed. Um, people travelled to attend the Sunday service from as far away as Macduff. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, Macduff is another town further along the coast. So, put us into perspective of, <laughs> of how keen these people were to go to this church. Macduff is 6.5 miles away from the church. That's 10 kilometres, right? Mm-hmm. So, that's 30-minute car journey, right? Obviously, there was no cars and I how much is it by like so cart walk, or walk? Yeah, to walk you were two hours and ten minutes. So that's a four hour and twenty minute round trip to go to Sunday service at his church. Jesus, must have been fucking good. Well, that's what I was thinking because obviously we've been to Macduff. Smirnoff yeah. is in Macduff, yeah, and there's plenty of churches. Oh, why there is I absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what is it about Do you think this it church was maybe that people because, wanted to go? Do you think it was maybe because it was like most of the people in the army probably were fisher folk, and then maybe the fisher folk were like had a alliance more with that church because it was made for almost like the fishing families maybe. Yeah. Just maybe, randomly uh, putting out there. Yeah, maybe. There's no, maybe. no truth in it at all. So the church was granted to the monks of uh, Arbroath Abbey by King William the Lion in 1190. And during the medieval period, it was rebuilt many times. The last time, apparently, was in the 16th century. Okay. The church was abandoned in 1830 which really surprised me because really 1830 wasn't that long ago Mm-mm. given consideration to the state of the building. Yeah, no idea. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like, there's barely any walls. There's no roof. They, do you know what I mean? I mean, I know it has been a long time. Yeah. But I, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realise that. But when the, the reason it was abandoned was because a new church was built I actually in the village of Gardenston, and you'll probably see from the pictures looking from the graveyard to the um village of Gardenston or Gamery, you can see the church on top of the hill. Yeah, that's right. But there's like loads of churches in Gardenston. Yeah, there's the apparently there there's is loads. quite a lot for 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 such a small population. There's like a there's heaps of churches. Yeah. But today, as I said, only the walls really remain, mm-hmm. and they're not in the greatest of conditions. Um, and all the old graves... Um, you can barely read them. Yeah, it's very it's hard, hard to read. read them. Um, but yeah, so... Um, and no one knows whatever happened to the skulls. I could not find anything. How weird is I that? did actually join a group on Facebook, and I was meant to message them the other day, and I forgot to see if anybody knew... Or if there's any rumours, I might still do that, actually, and then give you an update later on down the line. Maybe somebody tame them. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very strange thing to take, though, isn't I it, really? I don't know. Well, but it's very strange So, people. yeah, so that was St John's Church and Graveyard. It's beautiful. There. It is stunning. The, the, like, the, the scene, the, sea, the, the, the scene of the coast view, that's it, thank you. The, it's, <laughs> it is it stunning. It is absolutely stunning. We are blessed, really, in this country for our coastline. Oh, big time. We're very lucky. Big time. How very green lucky. as well our space is. Yeah, it's really absolutely. Useful. And again, we'll put photos on for you to see these mm-hmm. places that we're speaking about. So we hopped back in the car. 
and off we toddled. We did. Off we toddled, and this time we headed towards Memsey. Yes, it was Memsey. No. Yes. No, was it not the loch first? That is off of Memsey. Oh, was Memsey then? Yes. Mm-hmm. Correct. We did. Well done. <laughs> well remembered. <laughs> so I was in the car as a passenger. I'm like, oh well, okay. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, again. So yeah. So we we had seen that there was a place called the Red Loch. We did, and we were excited because we wanted to see, because I think it was like witchy-related situation nearby it as well, was there yeah. stones? But we never saw them either. No, we kind of, we did, well, that turns out we had the wrong name for the woods, but never mind, we, we have somebody on, on hand that's going to take us to the woods. Yes, because when you, <laughs> if you don't know, find a local and get, take, get them to take get you. Get them to take you, that's exactly. How, that's how we're just making our own Google Maps with people. So just <laughs> to give you a, a vision here, we were in a 4 by 4 we were in Stubru's car. Yeah, we were in a 4x4, four four, so it was a pickup truck kind of thing. Like, I, I suppose if you're in Australia, a ute. A bit like a Hilux. I can't admit, it was a Nissan. It was a high, big car. Yeah. It had to climb in it. So, it was big. So, we find ourselves on this narrow track. You can't, there's just no way you're getting two cars down this track. So, anyway, and it's really long. It must be a mile and a half at least. And we're toddling on down this really bumpy road. To get to the loch. To get to the loch. And there's a gate across and it's locked. And Buccaneer's like, oh, no, I'm going to have to reverse all the way back down this track. So, then there's these two men appear on the other side of the... The road, because it's closed for shooting. Ah, that was it. There was a sign saying closed for shooting, so we're like, fair enough. So... Fair income. These men appear in a white van on the opposite side of the of the gate. And they open up. Well, they wave us on. We'd started reversing, because we're like, oh, God, there's two people aren't getting down here, so we're going to have to go back so they can get out. And then they were like, no, no, come back. Yes, they start waving come, in. Come hither. Yes. So, off so we were forward. like, right, well, we might as well go forward. Now, at least we'll get turned round. So anyway, we go to turn round and these men start locking us in this gate. I'm like, like whoa! <laughs> so then he comes to the window to speak to us and he, he says, are, are you supposed to be here? And we're like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, right. What are you here for? To see the lock? There's no much to see here. Quite a JC be up here. Oh, is there really? No. So you're, you're, you don't know the code. No, we don't know the code. You're not going to cause any trouble. No, we're not going to cause any trouble. Okay, this is what the code is. <laughs> so this random man who's never met us before just let us on the we land. We clearly just looked. <laughs> Fine, we looked. Like, could we be DM where we're three women in a four before gone to look at a puddle? At which point, I'm like, girls, this is how horror movies start. Literally, like, we're literally, there's like woodlands and everything. We're to like walk, remember? Yeah. Or no, no, we, we started, started walking, walking and I was like, whose fucking idea was this? I know, and then we were like, back Hello. in the car. <laughs> I was like, got a four by four, why are we walking this? And then it's we not went, Frodo. and I could, I was like, this is not cool. <laughs> so it was not keen. We cut up like vertical roads and all sorts. And you were like, this is awesome, I really <laughs> like it. And I was like, this is great fun. So anyway, we found the red loch. And they drained it. And they drained the loch. I don't know why. Why well, did they no drain it? I have no idea why. Just completely drained it. Yeah. And, and it was absolutely disappointing. And there was a JCB in the middle of it that was scooping out sludge. That was probably wondering what the fuck we were doing. I know. We were well, be because there. actually we went down this big dip mm. and then we got stuck. But it was okay because then I realised we were only two-wheel drive. So I was like, whack it in four, we'll be fine. Hi. And she was like... <laughs> <laughs> Visions, on, okay. like no signal. We're stuck in the woods. <laughs> the car won't move. <laughs> <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but we're fine. We got out. We drove back down. We unlocked the gate. We locked it back up again. I was a pain in the air, so I was it, because I couldn't open it. Then <laughs> I couldn't shut it. Then I shut myself in. And, oh, oh I'm so thick Good sometimes. times. It was so, so funny, though. It was. It was absolutely... It was one of those you have to be there to, to find it funny. Just the but fact that the boy just was like, hi, okay, can there's a lock on the gate for a reason, but you're just got a hand out in the abogar and sundry. Do you know what? I never even thought to say to him, are they actually shooting? And there's us just, you know, driving about. I never even... Pew, pew. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hope this thing's bulletproof. <laughs> but, but yeah, so anyway, we got out of there, we drove back down, and then we headed to the burial cut. 
Cairn. Yeah, the Cairn of Menzie. Yes. So, the Cairn of Menzie. So basically, what a Cairn is, is just a massive pile of stones. Pretty much. Do you know, she's right, actually. It is just the biggest pile of stones you've ever seen. But the story is... So, the Memsey Cairn is a massive, well-preserved cairn, which is, like I'm saying, a big pile of stones. But I think it's stones that was used as a burial thing. I think people are... Be- you was think? buried in it. Pretty sure. What will we get there? <laughs> but this was built about 4,000 years ago. And it was once accompanied by two other large cairns and many smaller monuments which were plundered for building material, which I totally imagine happening. Mm-hmm. Like, like even my dad. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be like, fuck, I need a good looking steen at I'm just gonna <laughs> it. <laughs> so today the Cairn of Memsey stands alone in the landscape, and it's still impressive because it is massive. It's measuring some 25 metres across and 4.5 metres high. Um, so basically it suggested it was used for burials in medieval times. So there, obviously the, there were three cairns, each were about 100 yards in circumference and 40 foot high. On the Cairn of Muir in 1723, spaced out about 100 yards apart and associated with many other cairns, which was like West McFarlane Cairn in 1906 and the Ockery's Cairn in 1723 or something. So one of the cairns was dug into and at its centre before 1780 and only human bones were found, though many of the stones at the centre were also burnt and almost vertification. Basically ash or something. They were burnt anyway. Um, a report in the 1970s in Scots Mag um, stated that the stone cyst contained bones and earth and a flint dart head and a little block of flint was found in the large cairn of Memsey. And by 1845, the remaining cairn had been reduced to about 60 feet in the circumference and height of 15 feet. In the foundation of one of the other cairns that was discovered, an urn containing um, calcined bones. And there was also... F- ah. Also found several human skulls and a short sword with an iron handle. Um, the urn was said to be medieval. And um, yeah, basically that was what was inside of it. It was, it was a bit, it's a burial cairn with all this stuff. With all this bones and things like that. And that's what they, they used it for. But there was others. And basically as times went on, there's just this one that's left. And by the sounds of it, it's reduced in height quite a lot. But you can imagine probably people using it for building walls and things like that. Because the stone's about the same for most of the old walls back in the day. Yeah. So yeah, but that's what it was for. I find that very strange. I don't understand why to just be like... I'm just going to pile up, pile all these rocks over them. So, there, there, there would be a layer of stones on the bottom. I imagine so. I and know. then a body. Mm. Or a couple of bodies. Mm. Then you would have to layer more stones over the top. How much stones are you actually putting on? Because you've got to think, those bodies are sitting there and they're decaying. Mm-hmm. And then you've got wildlife as well that could drag back to you. Well, that's why I'm saying I think that they were just piling and piling. About. So you imagine it was like a freaking mound. I know it was a mound. And I get that whilst it's in the shape that it is in at the moment, it's relatively safe. Mm-hmm. But whilst it's getting there, like how many bodies are in there? I don't know. I and don't who know, the, know who is it for? Was that like, if like kings, queens, nobility? Was it because there was a mass death? back in the day and they couldn't afford or couldn't dig anything up and just piled rocks on top of it or I just I find it a I very don't, strange I don't way I for don't, a burial. So do I. I don't it's not something I've ever heard about until I came until we came here. How did the Romans what was their like funeral kind of did they not cremate lots of folk? I don't know. I the Danes used to cremate and put them out to sea. Makes sense. For Rome, I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm Did trying to think of a, maybe have to look at like the different tribes and stuff and actually, I'm going to have to look into that because that's going to book me. Yeah. 
really that's, bugged me. That's pretty much when you go to see it, you're like, oh, I have big loads of rocks. Oh, yeah, it's a big not, pile of stones. <laughs> and then you're, and then you realize it's actually like, and I think it's the most well, it's the most well preserved. I never heard or seen one before until we came here. No, I never like, heard of them the before. What the fuck is this that we're making a big deal about it? But yeah, it's a burial site. But no, I'd never heard of them before. Yep. Well, the first, I'll tell you something though, the first time I'd heard about it, and we did a podcast on something. Mm. Was that a murder thing? And I'd said about up in Skye or Orkney, Mm -hmm. there's a cairn up there. Aye, okay. And when the sun comes round, I'll tell you it was, it was our Christmas episode when Scotland killed Christmas. Ah, okay. So... Check that out. As we mentioned Cairns there. Mentioned Cairns there. So there you go. So So that had chambers in it and all sorts. Oh, okay. So it wasn't the same as this one. It wasn't the same as that, but it was was classed as a cairn. Which is weird because it just goes to show you how different they could be. Because literally what I thought is people have died and they've just fucking layered shit over the top of them and that's just it. Yeah. And then they've walked away and went, oh well. Yeah, because there's not even anything on there's the stones to say who that, that person, person is or anything. Nothing. It's mm-hmm. very strange. Mm-hmm. Unless very you're strange. thinking, is it one body and it was like the noble person of the place? Yeah. their family or... But then, well, see, how, how long ago did crypts and things like that start? So... I don't know. I don't know. I think I might have to look into this further because yeah, that is going to be fair. Me. My research it was very limited. I didn't. No, do there. Much. Yeah, but there wasn't much on that one because even no. before we went, I had a look at research and, it, and there wasn't massive amounts of information yeah. on it. To be honest with I you, I don't know why nobody's looked into that though. Just that they're like, oh well, here's this well-preserved cairn. And it's like, so fits the tea, and it's like, hmm. Yeah, like yeah, there's well, no real information on it. No. Oh, it's disappointing. But yes, but that was the end of the trip was there. Yes, the Karen. that's where we ended because we were looking for the witch stones. And we didn't get there. We didn't get there. Um, Our second time we didn't get there. And as we said at some point along this podcast, we are hopefully going to find somebody that is going to take us. And we will get there hopefully very soon because our next episode that we will release will be on witches. That's right. That's what's happening in a fortnight's time. Yes. Legend of the witches. History and legends of witches and witchcraft. Excellent. Yes. Looking forward to that one. So that's us, guys and girls. Thank you so much for listening. And as you know, you can catch us on many a social media platform. We are available on Instagram at at Brewing Crispies. We are available on Twitter. Pints underscore A. We have a Facebook page. Brew. Mm. Christmas. <laughs> That's all I could work with. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Brew and mm, crispies like fish and mm, chips. <laughs> I have I have actually set it up so you have to add us as a friend. So just, you know. Crack on. Crack on. Add us as a friend. Yes. Get involved. Give yes. us some chat. Give us any suggestions, any myths or legends of your area, whether it's in Scotland, out of Scotland, in America, we don't mind. Yeah, because you know? it's interesting. It is. And it's it's interesting to see how much of our cultures are similar mm-hmm. and how we tell stories and various other bits and pieces, yeah. I think, as well. So definitely get in touch with us, folks. And you can also email us brewandcrispies at gmail.com. Excellent. Perfect. Nighty night. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.